So that's why it's so important to show up. There's a common theme in, in lobbying that a lot of lobbyists say the world is run by those who show up. And the point of that is when our side, when the animal people don't speak up, the legislators only hear from the animal rights groups and they're going to believe what they're telling them, especially when they pull at your emotion and pull at your heartstrings and show them the videos of the animals and the dogs in need out in the cold on a chain and, you know, tied up without food and water. That's all they're going to hear unless we show up and, and educate them. Hi, I'm Heidi Harriet. Welcome to Animal Tales, where we talk about my favorite subject, animals. I'm thrilled to be joined today by the president of the U.S. Association of Reptile Keepers, Phil Goss. Phil is a very articulate and informed advocate for not only the reptile keeper industry, but also understanding the larger animal industry. And we're going to talk a lot about that. Uh, I don't automatically think of reptiles as pets. Uh, It's not where my head goes, but I do have some friends who have really cool uh, pets, some bearded dragons and such. And um, it's really made me think a lot more about it. But above and beyond that, I'm a person who believes that we have choices. So while it not might not be the choice for me, I don't want our choices taking, taken away, like with the pet store ban uh, in five states and over 700 municipalities where we can't go to a pet store to purchase a pet commercially. I disagree with that. If they're not doing a good job, prosecute them. But we still have rights, and um, the shelters and rescues are the where we have to go for our animals. Well, Phil understands all that, and he also understands that it's important that we maintain our choice and that about 5% of households actually have a reptile. So interesting conversation I know you're going to enjoy. Hi, Phil. Welcome to the podcast. Well, hello. Thanks for having me today. Well, I'd like you to explain, uh, tell everybody what you do, what your role is, please. Absolutely. So my name is Phil Goss. I am president of the United States Association of Reptile Keepers, better known as USARC. And we're a national 501c6 nonprofit representing and advocating for both responsible reptile and amphibian pet owners and animal owners and also businesses working with reptiles and amphibians. Okay, cool. I, um, I've had the pleasure of being at uh, conventions or seminars with you and have enjoyed that. I'll be honest, I'm really not, it's not in my wheelhouse, like the reptile side of things. I've been around it, but I'm a kind of a dog and horse and four-legged creature girl. So, but I'm so impressed with um, how you advocate and when you speak. And um, it's, it's really caught my attention and made me think more about the fact that there, you know, I talk about pets a lot on my podcasts. And that doesn't necessarily come to mind. So what are the statistics about people who have pets that fall into the reptile type thing? Yeah, so they're a lot more common than people realize. So statistically across the U.S., we see pet reptiles in about 5% of U.S. households. So if you figure one in every 20 people has a pet reptile, it's a lot more mainstream than it used to be. And there's various reasons for that. Uh, One that I often point to is just the urbanization of America. People oh, yeah. don't have 
big yards like they used to. So a lot of people can't have dogs and cats. And you can imagine if you live in a high rise apartment building, taking your dog out to go to the restroom. And unfortunately, a lot of people, it's just not an option to have a yeah. traditional dog. So um, obviously you don't have to take them out and walk them and they require a little bit less care and also allergy reasons. Unfortunately, today we see a lot more people with allergies. So obviously if you're allergic to fur, whether it be, you know, a, a cat allergy or a dog allergy, which as you know, are a little bit different allergies, but you're not going to have that with a pet reptile. Wow. Interesting. Yes. And for sure, the urbanization of America has changed a lot of things. I think uh, the last statistic I read was USA Today that um, less than 10% of the population live in uh, more rural areas or deal with any type of agriculture. So Certainly that comes into play with some of our fellow association members. And, um, but I, I, I'm so intrigued with this because again, it's not where my mind goes. And I think of like, um, animals and interacting with them in that. Right. And I have some friends who have unbelievable relationships with their reptiles and it, it, it's really intriguing to me. I don't know if you want to speak to that a little bit, but they're, they really do, um, capture you and, and, you know, get under your skin and that. Yeah. And, and it depends on the species and, and what people do with them. So obviously some animals are, we'll just call it engaging more engaging than others. So sure. obviously a snake isn't going to be, they can't blink. So a lot of people think that's kind of weird. Um, their eyes are always open. So you can't really, snakes don't really have the personality that some of the lizards have just because right. they can't turn their head like a lizard or they can't blink like a lizard. Um, but snakes, obviously, I mean, some people who have a pet ball python, which is a very small species of python, right. they, all pythons aren't big giant snakes, but they may just enjoy sitting on the couch and a ball python is more than content to just sit in a warm spot and chill on the couch while someone watches a movie. Interesting. Whereas if you have a bearded dragon and even some of the larger lizards, uh, tegus and some of the monitor species, they're very intelligent. Uh, they can be clicker trained. You can train them with red laser dots um, like you do with some mammals and they'll just like, teaching a dog a trick you know if you do the same action over and over again and use a clicker or a laser or even another vocal cue or a hand signal they will relate that to getting a treat or maybe feeding time and they'll know what's going on interesting yeah and i've that's what i've seen it's uh i think a beard is some bearded dragons that were very personable in in their own way it, it just surprised me i know one of the other things you do is advocate for folks who are uh who do who are uh, have them as pets or have them or breeding or doing commercial work uh, have them commercially, and that there are some challenges within that. That one because it's a little misunderstood, not a lot of people really have you know experience in this area. It's right now is the legislative season. So what kind of challenges do you do you remember see? Are you guys advocating for? Oh, it's, it's very tough for us. I mean, some studies actually show that 60% of people claim to have a fear of snakes. So you can imagine, oh, I mean, boy. right off the bat, you get in and talk to legislators and you bring up snake and it, you're automatically a right. crazy person. <laughs> so, you know, that's, that's a tough hurdle to overcome. Um, but that's why it's important what we do. I mean, whether people realize it or not, you know, we may have snakes as pets, but we also educate about snakes in the wild and snakes play an important role in the yeah. wild, just like all animals. So the last thing you want is people going out and using a shovel and killing all the snakes out there because that leads to issues like rodent overpopulations yeah. and things like that. 
that. So, you know, snakes do play an important role in obviously my organization as much as we can. You know, we try and advocate not only about the animals we have as pets, but also conservation efforts for those species. Um, but yeah, it's tough. You know, we're not talking about furry, cuddly animals, which yeah. um, I totally realize even that is challenging for dogs because, again, we'll get into animal rights later, I'm sure. Yes. And what later's <laughs> here, but we're talking about what most people call, you know, slimy, scaly, yeah. you know, reptiles. It's, it's tough sometimes. Yeah. And we, we've become so emotional about everything, our politics, our animals, any of that stuff, um, to the point of being a detriment for sure. Um, I, it's, it's really troubling. We, uh, I doing a podcast about dogs and talking a lot about that, how people, um, are becoming emotional, but, the other side of that, and in the in the dog world, there's a ban on pet stores, which may affect you guys as well, that you can only buy them from shelters or rescues, dogs or cats, and maybe this includes reptiles, um, but not, uh, you can't, they, they're closing these stores in five states and 700 municipalities. We still live in the United States of America. You don't have to go to the pet store, but I might want to, and they're highly regulated, so... Those are the things I know that you're involved with that, you know, saying, wait a minute, we, we should have choice. We, you know, that we're do we're regulated, we're legal, we operate businesses. And just because you don't like it or it doesn't resonate with you doesn't mean it should be put out of business. And boy, is that a challenging place? And it's up to folks like you and I and others, our peers who are keep, keep telling that story and keep saying, we got to bring it back to you know, a center point here because we're, we're off track and it's, it's hurting a lot of things, let alone the animals. So it is. And you're absolutely right. So obviously I'm on here talking about reptiles and amphibians, but I'm an animal person. You know, I love dogs. I love birds. I love all types of animals and us arc, even though again, we're the association of reptile and reptile keepers, you know, we still advocate, you know, if we get an alert, I'm notifying aviculturalist or aquaculturist or whoever it is. And I mean, we work with the National Animal Interest Alliance, Protect the Harvest. I mean, the American Federation of Aviculture, you know, we realize that even though our organization focuses on reptiles and amphibians, this is an all animal effort. It's animal agriculture. They're trying to yeah. put to an end it's animals as pets. So that's what I hope more people realize is that you know, we may be a group, you know, again, talking about reptiles and amphibians, but we see the big picture and we know that all animals are targeted and we do our best. It doesn't matter what species you're working with, as long as you're responsible with that species and you have proper husbandry and good animal welfare, it, it does not matter if uh, you have a ocelot or a bearded dragon or yeah. a dog or a cat or whatever it is, a kangaroo. <laughs> again, yeah. as long as you're eating that animal properly and doing it right, you shouldn't be banned from, from ownership or working with that species. Right. So bans are legislative, but let's go to the, they you just referenced. We'll, we'll go there now. So when, when we say they, and I, I, I listen to my podcast, you know, uh, after I've done them and I, I hear myself saying they a lot and I forget you and I live in a world where we know who they is and it, they are the animal rights community, the animal rights extremist but when we say extremist, I kind of don't say that word a lot because it sounds like they're the fringe. We're talking about mainstream that people, I met a guy yesterday, I did a rotary speech 
about animals in my podcast. He came up and he said, we need to talk because I donate a lot of money to PETA and the Humane Society. And he went on and I was like, you absolutely need to talk with me. I said, donate money to me and I will make sure it goes in the right places. So within that, those who are listening to my Animal Tales podcast regularly, I'm going to post a reference sheet of where to donate if you want to actually help animals. And there are great places for sure. And I've had a lot of those guests on the podcast. And you do for US Arc, you guys do such a fantastic job of rallying to the other call to actions as well. And so appreciated. Um, but let's talk about they. So we're talking about PETA. We're talking, excuse me, <laughs> alert. We're talking about the animal rights groups. That's how I feel about it, frankly. So um, we're talking about PETA, the Humane Society of the United States, the ASPCA, um, in defense of animals, and the list goes on. Um, they are not animal experts in any way. I always say they're marketing experts. They're experts at spinning a story, and they're ex -suits, experts at lawsuits because they like to tie people up in litigation because it takes your resources, in not only financially but time, effort. And the one thing about people with animals if they're doing their job right, and I could speak to exhibited animals like people with elephants and bears and cats and stuff, you're not allowed to leave. You are the expert. You have to be there or somebody equally as capable as you has to be in charge. So that's why they're not walking Capitol Hill or the state, uh, the state capitals because they're there with their animals. That's what they chose to do. And uh, on, in contrast, the animal rights community groups have all the time in the world and that is their job so i'll let you speak to that a little bit because i know you know that subject well yeah, it, it's so tough and those groups are so well organized and so well funded i found it absolutely absurd <laughs> so i mean i'll just say it it's no point i'm not i've been doing this for 10 years but there was one time so us arc as an organization brought in three hundred fifty thousand dollars one year and in this year that we brought in that amount of money the well-funded animal rights group actually called us a well-funded lobbying organization <laughs> and they're bringing in over a hundred million dollars yeah. and they're calling the group that brought in 300,000, a well-funded lobbying organization. And the point of that story is it is, I wish more Americans could see and hear what these animal rights lobbyists tell legislators. Cause they, they continually lie to these people. Mm -hmm. I know I'm, I'm going to say lie. I mean, they literally do it. You know, I I've heard, I heard at a city council meeting, one of the city council members looked at someone there testifying to stop a, a pet store ban and said, do you really think it's okay to breed your female dogs four times a year? I mean, it, one, it's biologically impossible. And this is the stuff that these groups go in and tell the legislators. Yeah. So that's why it's so important to show up. There's a common theme in, in lobbying that a lot of lobbyists say the world is run by those who show up. And the point of that is when our side, when the animal people don't speak up, the legislators only hear from the animal rights right. groups and they're going to believe what they're telling them, especially when they pull at your emotion and pull at your heartstrings and show them the videos of the animals and the dogs in need out in the cold on a chain and, you know, tied up without food and water. That's all they're going to hear unless we show up and, and educate them. That's and it's, well it's, said, it's, yeah. And, uh, you know, I'll, right, I'm talking with Phil Goss uh, on the Animal Tales podcast about the uh, United States Association of Reptile Keepers. He is the president, and um, 
we're, we're unpacking the role of the animal rights groups and how they are completely sensationalizing issues about animals and the people who love, care for, and work with them, which is why I'm doing the Animal Tales podcast. My part, I have done some lobbying and legislative work, and I'd actually like to do more, but I feel like I want to reach out my goal of the podcast to the people who, like the guy yesterday, the, I'm not going to reach the top of PETA, HSUS, Wayne Purcell, any of those people. They they have an agenda. People don't believe that, but it's very clear. They have an agenda. Um, it's to make millions of dollars, and it's what they people don't realize is changing the fabric of our country. Where our choices are being legislated and things that the average American, if they really understood, would not be in line with. But when it's set out there in a different warm and fuzzy emotional format, we jump right on that bandwagon. I have this, um, my mind goes to social media emojis. So you have the happy emoji and the care, the heart emoji, and oh, that's so nice. And you have the angry face emoji and the tear and pretty quickly on an animal story, you know, snakes in the uh, the Everglades, right? Angry face and, you know, uh, shelter, happy face, right? The reality is, I always say the information, the solution, even the dilemmas to be debated lie in the middle. And you, I think you just said that. And it's this emoji, the thinking face. Hmm. Be curious. Be inquisitive. Be thoughtful. There's more to that story. And I think deep down we know that, but we just, we're not going to take the time to delve deep into any of these, right? We're just, we're just making an emotional decision and it is encouraged every step of the way at this point um, to, to be emotional and just, you know, we're, we're way off. We need to get back to the middle and it's, it's, if nothing else, I want, just want people to take away that you can you can listen to the animal rights community if you want to, but listen to the other side at the very least. In my world, I'd like you to make decisions that actually were right for animals and right for our country and our choices. But at least take in all the information and make your own decision, right? I don't think they get all the information, to your point. Oh, they absolutely don't. And I see this too much. You know, you and I understand animal rights. We know what animal rights means. And I'm not a social media person at all. I obviously have to do it for uh, the, the organization. But the last time I posted on my my personal uh, Facebook page was four years ago. I just because <laughs> every time I get on there, it just drives me nuts. And one of the yeah. things that drives me nuts is people have pets or they have animals and they call themselves animal rights activists. You cannot do that. Yeah. You cannot support animal rights and own animals. That is against the very fabric and grain and basis of animal rights. And unfortunately, you know, people see these things, you know, they hear the the trigger words that are posted out there, you know, for substandard, you know, dog breeding facilities that yeah. we all know what the actual yeah. word is. They hear this stuff and they see the emotional content and they think that's what animal rights means. And they get, they don't understand the very basic difference between animal welfare and animal rights and they think they're animal rights activists when that's not actually even what they are. And like you said, it all goes back to education and understanding, but we live in a world run by memes and and misinformation and people just, they don't take the time to truly understand what's going on. Boy, that's so well said. I don't think I've heard it articulated that well. I couldn't agree more. And you get on top of that, you have actresses and actors that are, 
out there, celebrities who are, you know, beating the drum along with, uh, you know, the animal rights community. I just did one of the prior podcasts. I think the last one I did on animal tales was the New York carriage industry, right? The, the New York carriage horses, a great spokesperson, Christina Hansen. Well, they had Liam Neeson come out in favor of the carriage horses. And guess what? Got a, a lot of attention. And he's saying exactly the same thing they were saying, but it's coming from Liam Neeson. So now it's heard in a different way. We've been at meetings together. I think the last one at the National Animal Interest Alliance, uh, one of those last year. And I said, why don't we coin terms? Why don't we look for celebrities too? Because... What we're just telling the story, we're, we are the experts. We are the people who live with animals, work with animals, and support those in businesses with animals. And um, I think it's interesting. I always say this. Let's just talk about dogs and cats. If if we're not allowed to sell animals in pet stores and we vilify breeders um, and we can only get pets from a shelter or rescue and we spay and neuter all of those, this, this defies logic for me because there's a lot of intelligent people in this world, including legislators, and I say this all the time. Let's just average 15 years so we can round. How many generations before we have no more pets? I know, and that makes sense to you and me, and I point, out as, point that out as often as I can. If all <laughs> we can do is adopt, if we cannot shop, whether it's from a retail store or from yeah. a breeder, if you can only adopt, I mean, you, you nailed it. All those animals are spayed and neutered. In 10 to 11 years, there are no more pets, dogs, and cats. I don't know how that doesn't click with people. I don't either. And But, you know, I haven't heard that said often either. And I say it a lot at this point. And, again, I feel, talk about grassroots, you know, one person at a time. But if that's what it takes. But the, the problem is we're running out of time at some level because we're being legislated out of business, but we're being legislated out of our choices and I wish people understood that more. I think that uh, that's a drum I keep beating. And um, Phil, I want to I want to give you the last word here. You've we've covered a lot of ground, and uh, so appreciated because it you also articulate it so well. What would you like to leave people with that might might help them not only themselves but even tell a friend or neighbor to um, you know do something or listen to something? What what would that be? What do you want to leave them I, with? I really just wish more people would be informed. Rather, no matter where your ideology or beliefs are, really look at where your money is going. So, I mean, the president of the ASPCA is making a million bucks a year, and this is a nonprofit organization that's supposed to be helping animals. And <laughs> I, I don't want to say I love it. I wish there was a better way to point it out, but you know, all these animal rights activists come at us and say, Oh, you're profiting off of animals. You're horrible people. You're making more money from animals. All you're doing is making money from animals The animal rights groups. There is an animal rights industry at this point. Those people, those executives for HSUS and ASPCA and PETA are making more profit from animals than any person working Absolutely. with animals ever has or could ever hope to. So they're the ones who are profiting from animals. They're saying, this is what we're doing. It's bogus. Look at where the money goes. The last time I looked at ASPCA, they only run one shelter. They don't run the, the separate SPCAs in states and cities. Yeah. 
Less than 3% of their money was given as grants to those organizations. The Humane Society of the United States, you know, capitalizes on that name Humane Society. They run zero Humane Societies and people don't realize that. All they do is see the commercials, they get their emotions tugged at and they donate money. But people just need to look at where that money is going, how much those executives are getting paid and how much of that money is actually going to help animals. It's almost nothing. So if if you do anything, just... Look where the money's going and donate locally. Heidi, that's awesome. If you got a list of places where the money can go. It will be um, in show notes. Absolutely. And US ARC is a nonprofit, um, but we're a 501c6. You know, we have a mission statement. We tell you where your donations are going. We're not saying that we're out there saving animals. We're not making the claims that those other big HSUS and ASPCA are doing. We're not making those claims. We're up front. It's posted right on our website. So if people want to support our mission, we're telling you where your money's going. Um, but again, don't get fooled by those Hollywood stars that are being duped and and uh, the commercials yeah. with, the, with the sad, sappy songs. Yeah, well said. And uh, I definitely will post. Um, it's been, I've been working on it, but I need to get it out there. So it'll be on our Animal Tales page. And uh, I'll get out to other, the other associations and see what their recommendations are, too. Phil, you and others that uh, are peers are just doing such great work. I thank you so much for being in the trenches every day and representing the rights of the reptile owners and keepers. And um, helping helping the bigger cause because uh it, it's important to all of us people just don't realize it so thank you so much absolutely and heidi thanks for doing this and one more thing yeah. so this is this is a talk to the other animal interest groups so sure. uh, so i'll just use an example so usr currently has an alert out for connecticut on an animal program ban Reptiles and amphibians are not even included in that, but always on that hearing this week, it was a 12 hour hearing. The thing was ridiculous over 150 speakers. Most of them were about that bill, but the point I'm making is that it doesn't matter if you're in birds or you're breeding dogs or you breed cattle or you're raising chickens for eggs. I really wish more groups would realize that they're attacking all of us. And if you can, if there's a bill in your state, even if it doesn't affect your chicken farm and it's, and it's going to ban animal programs, voice your opposition. Yeah. So that that's a big thing. And it's so frustrating that we just get chipped away, even in the reptile world. If it's a ban on say just big snakes or big lizards, you know, the people with the small stakes and small lizards aren't stepping up and voicing their opposition. Whereas if we get all the animal communities combined and every time, whether it's national animal interest Alliance or AFA yeah. or National aquaculture association, you know, whatever group it is, if you work with animals, even though your animal may not be affected or your species may not be affected, just chime in. Most of these groups make it, it takes a minute or two yeah. to send an email. Just, just do it. And again, the legislators are going to look at which side is making the most noise. And every time that animal rights groups makes more noise, we lose. It's pretty Absolutely. simple. Usually almost always we can stop it if our side makes more noise and it's that simple. Just take a minute or two and support everyone responsibly working with animals. Well said. I say all the time I'm at a stable or training a dog and they're, they're animal owners and I'm actually helping them because their dogs really aren't behaving or that, but yet they're willing to say circus elephants are just completely abused or so, you know, it's like, wait a minute, you don't have any understanding that this is completely tied together, you know, and by the way, our animals are much better trained. So before you throw us under the bus, right? We, uh, I'm here helping you trying to get your dog to sit, you know, and our animals right. walk through the Holland <laughs> Tunnel. So, <laughs> but anyhow, thank you so much. And I look forward to working with you in the future and uh, towards, towards this end and uh, getting, 
getting more people involved for sure. So thank you, Phil. Thank you, Heidi. Thank you, everyone. What an engaging and informative conversation with Phil. It really is important to understand animal rights versus animal welfare. In animal welfare, we truly believe that we should coexist with animals and it is our job to take care of them and we can enjoy them in entertainment and sports and such as long as, again, we do a good job. Animal rights seeks to sever our relationship with animals and supposedly admire them from afar. It's, it's really important. There's a lot more of this information on my website and social media. All that can be found in show notes. Thank you so much for joining me. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Animal Tales. It's really important for me to tell these stories, and I ho- do hope you'll share it. Please rate, review, and subscribe. And I hope you'll listen in on the next episode of Animal Tales. Animal Tales.